We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Pilato. Tonight we are here to break down the combine winners and losers from the defensive side of the ball. We talked offense in the last podcast. A lot of big name defenders that showed out at the combine. Obviously the Giants are a more defensive heavy roster right now. That doesn't mean they're not going to use some of these top assets on the defense. Because the Giants are, we hope at least, Going to be one of the teams that doesn't draft by position. They draft by best player available for the most part and try to hope you can match need with best player available. But you got to take the best prospect. You have to do it. It's how these teams consistently build winners. And so there are a lot of good defensive prospects that showed out this combine that will be in the mix at five and seven and when the Giants pick on day two. So let's start the discussion by talking about one of them who will probably be in the mix for the Giants Potentially, I should say. I think there's still a good chance he won't even make it down to five. But that's Kayvon Thibodeau, who is obviously the edge prospect out of Oregon. By far and away the freakiest, in my mind, in this draft class. Far and away the highest upside edge prospect. But ruffled a few feathers when he ran the 40, did the bench press, which, by the way, drew up insane-o numbers on the bench press, which was a bit unexpected to some degree. Like I didn't know he had that kind of pure raw strength to go along with everything else. That's in his game from a raw trait standpoint. But having said that, he then decided to leave the combine because he said, I want to do the rest of the position drills at my pro day. Nick, I don't give a rat's ass about this decision personally. I think as I've mentioned before and I've heard from people earlier, these position drills are pretty pointless. The way they there they have been apparently since the 2020 combine when a big changes were made to what is done in those position drills. But this doesn't show me anything negative that I have to worry about about his quote-unquote personality. He wants to do his position drills at the pro day. Whatever. What do I care? So I don't know. How do you feel about this? I think it 
is a way for the people who are detracting from Kayvon Thibodeau to point at and find, I guess you could say, like demerits with his personality. But at the same time, you could look at it and be like, well, Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State produced George Karloff. This didn't run the 40. Do you maintain the same energy with those people kind of skipping out on things that they're healthy enough to perform in to do it at their pro day? Now, I can also see it because he did kind of say, I'm going to compete at the combine. And then he just doesn't because he wants to kind of do it all in one day. I can see where some people would kind of glean that in a questionable manner, I guess I should say. It doesn't necessarily bother me all that much, but it kind of plays into the the narrative that is surrounding Kayvon Thibodeau about his lack of competitive toughness. I've watched a bunch of 2020 Kayvon, and I've only seen a game and a half of 2021 because it's the only stuff that I found on the internet from an all-22 standpoint. I've never questioned his competitive toughness on tape. Daniel Jeremiah has. He, he says that he saw it, and that guy has access to all the tape in the world, so maybe maybe that is something. I have not seen that on his tape. I see a guy who hustles all the time. I see a dude who is is definitely still raw. Like He, he doesn't really have a pass rush plan. I'm excited to get into his draft breakdown. That's probably coming really, really soon, to be honest. But, man, when you see just his power, the leverage he uses, how he locks out, how he can just – win as a bull in the china shop type of pass rusher yeah. you can see just how much upside this dude really has he's definitely still in play for me at five with the new york giants but i do believe there is i think a discussion to be had about another player that we're about to talk about in relation to Kayvon thibodeau or this player at five or seven if they're both still around yeah for sure i'm assuming you're talking about trayvon walker yes Okay, let me first say this about Thibodeau before we move on to Walker. I love how you just described that. It really, I've, I haven't watched too much of him yet, but what I've seen is it really is the best way to describe it is, and I know it's kind of an NFL cliche, and sometimes it's used for players that maybe aren't deserving of it, but that bull in a china shop tag line or whatever it's called is excellent and well-apt, well-placed for somebody like Thibodeau when you watch him. He just looks to me like he's going to be overwhelming for a vast majority of these offensive tackles at the NFL level. And we'll see if that comes to fruition. But, and there's obviously all this, this context that people are discussing, you know, does he want it? Is he going to be a tough personality? But a lot of that is just, if a lot of it's kind of like the Mika Parsons things, right. Or the Micah Parsons thing. It's like, that was a concern for him pre-draft. It was continuously discussed potentially even played a role in him slipping all the way to where he did the giants passing on him teams that, you know, could have needed him passing on him. And then right now we're entering year two. And do you even hear a word about it? Right? Like not even a single word is made of the potential character issues with Parsons that could obviously crop up if he like would were to get arrested or something like that, which I don't think is in his future, by the way, um, not predicting that would never wish that upon anyone. But the point is like, that's not even discussed anymore. And so that it's just like those types of concerns are so, it's not that I, they're saying I'm saying they're overblown, but this guy doesn't have any kind of track record off the field or anything that you really there's nothing too tangible to worry about. Essentially, aside from what you discussed at the top, Nick, which was, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, who we respect, has said at times it looks like he hasn't fully wanted it on tape. And we'll see if we come across that as we study more. I think that's a fair way to go about it. Yeah, I just want more 2021 film because he got hurt in week one against Fresno State. So I watched that film and then I saw UCLA in 2021. So there's not a lot evaluation I could take away from that in terms of his 2021 tape. 
you know, how much did he progress from his 2020 tape where he seemed pretty raw yet very effective. And then the competitive toughness stuff that DJ is alluding to, I didn't see in the UCLA game, but is it plausible that it's there in the other games and that he was just, you know, Hey, I'm going to be a top five draft pick. I don't really need to. Yeah, it's plausible, but I don't want to sit there and assign that to him just because other people are claiming Same. that it happened. Yep. You're a hundred percent on there, Nick. Let's talk about Trayvon Walker because this Georgia defense, man, it reminds me of like, these, sometimes you get these Bama drafts where there's like five, six guys taken in the top 50. This seems like it could potentially be the case for this Georgia defense. Walker comes into the combine and, you know, there's been some discussion of him before the combine, I would say, moving up into that top 10, top 15 range, kind of like a Brian Burns-esque rise that I felt, even though Burns didn't actually ultimately make that rise in the draft. I think the, the Panthers got him at, what, 16 overall. I thought yeah. he was a top five prospect in the class. I had him six overall. I was hoping the Giants would take him, and I thought he was one of the 10 best players in that class. He didn't make that rise, but Walker might make that rise because Walker had – Burns had a good combine, but Walker had an even better combine. I mean, six foot five, so he's got the length. 272, he's got the size. That's almost like a Justin Tuck frame right there. But with an 84 and one-fourth inch wingspan, which is absurd, and he goes and runs a 451 with a 6.89 three-cone drill. 451 with a 6.89 uh, three cone that's insane explosiveness insane straight line speed agility the movement skills were great when you looked at the on-field portion i mean he's got everything here the size the athleticism like i haven't watched him much at all so i don't have much yet on from a film-based standpoint on him but as far as just what he looks like from an athletic standpoint and what he showed at the combine he's obviously someone that is maybe now on the radar for the giants at five or seven overall yeah, that's where Jeremiah mocked him at five. And a lot of people were kind of against it. But I think people got to start looking at Kayvon Thibodeau and Trayvon Walker in the same bucket in terms of players that are a little bit raw, but they have immense upside. Let's I've watched Trayvon Walker's tape and he is not fully polished, but this is somebody who played on a very deep Georgia front who was used as a one technique, sometimes a two eye, a three, all over the place. He can play in space. It does seem like he's fluid enough. And you watch him run the figure eight drill. It has a different name, but I could just call it the figure eight drill that the two serve. The guy is just bends so effortlessly, doesn't lose any kind of momentum in his lower body flexion. Plus, he has 35 and a half inch arms. You brought up his wingspan. His arms are also incredibly long. Like this is a very, very unique player who hasn't who hasn't shown his immense potential quite yet. That has not come to fruition. I don't think that's necessarily a slight on him because the defense didn't have to be revolved around Trayvon Walker at Georgia because they were so deep at every other position. Right. Like this guy was at you know any other college, we would probably be talking about him in the top five. I still think he's raw, so there's always risk when you're taking those people. But if you're confident enough in your coaches, you can develop this guy. I mean, if we're talking about Kayvon Thibodeau at five, we should at least be entertaining Trayvon Walker in that same conversation. Doesn't mean that we would choose him over it but that they should be in the same conversation. And I think that the combine has really put him on the map. But when you watch his film, you could see the raw power. You can see all of those things that we talk about with Thibodeau, only he's maybe a little bit less refined. Yeah, I think you nailed it. And I think there's a chance that we walk into this draft class with a clear-cut three guys you want at that edge position. The Giants should be able to get one of those three, just based on how the draft will play out, the potential for a quarterback to go before them maybe at five or seven, potential for three offensive linemen, maybe two to go before them. They could come out of this draft with one of these big three, Walker, Hutchinson, or uh, Thibodeau. And I think that's kind of the move. Like You don't get a chance at these elite level type uh, edge prospects often. And I know there's a big you know, case to be made that, well, listen, 
in Wink Martindale's different uh, defense, it's way more important to have corner guys. He's going to scheme up pressure. It's fine. But having these guys, especially on those third and long situations and those obvious passing down situations, obviously still has its worth. Like you can just see it from some of the games last year. The Giants struggled with like Tom Brady, for example, when they didn't have have the ability to rush three or four and get there ever. So, you know, I'm I'm really intrigued by Walker. I'm excited to watch him and I'm excited to get to the point where I hope to get to, which is going to be because I feel like I'm going to get there. Yeah, you can watch his film. But like you said, Nick, he has a lot of a projection based prospect. But when you have those, when you have that talent level, it's the same thing that, that I saw with Brian Burns. Like he was not a finished product at all at Florida State, though he was super successful and he had a, huge, a really high pressure rate. And I'll have to take a look into some of those numbers for Walker. But when you see it with those guys, you can kind of just see it and, and it's easy to believe right away what NFL coaches and you got to trust your coaching, like you said. But I feel like the Giants are at a good, good stage with that. So definitely someone on my radar now. I mean, look how many guys they're going to have drafted. They're going to have. Uh, Wyatt drafted probably pretty decently high. Quay Walker, Tyndall, um, Pickens might go decently high. He's on the other side of the ball. Walker, and obviously, you know, the big name, the winner of this combine, Jordan Davis. And then Lewis Sign. Is it Sign or Cheen? I don't know how to pronounce his name. I've actually never heard it called Cheen, but I kind of battle between Scene and Sign. I'm definitely going Sign between Scene and Sign. There's no way it could be. Is it, who would pronounce their name Scene? C-I-N-E. It's got to be a sign. I think it's I think it's sign as well. We'll we'll go with sign. Oh, All right. Well, this is a sign that I'm that I'm correct in this measure. And that was a sh- terrible joke. But let's just I talk about <laughs> yeah, let's talk about some of these other prospects. Let's talk about Lewis Sign because man, another Georgia Bulldog who's just firing off at the combine, building so much momentum. Four three seven forty yard dash here for a safety, 36 and a half inch vertical, and a hundred and thirty-third inch three inch broad jump. Like, yes, we're assuming here that. Kyle Hamilton is the first safety off the board because he's a freak and just incredible safety prospect. But sign looks freaking awesome out there from an athletic standpoint. He played in that Georgia defense. He's probably earned himself. A, a, I wouldn't say a lock, but I think there's a good chance. He's going to be a day one guy now. Day one. That's, that's tough because that safety group. And I talked about this with Joe DeLeon and Chris Flum with, with big blue view. That safety class behind Kyle Hamilton is very, very tight. And I feel like Lewis sign showed himself very well. I, by jumping over 11 feet in the broad, which is absolutely ridiculous, running very fast because he's probably the best alley defender in this class, coming downhill, tackling, establishing his authority in run support. Lewis Sign is great, but Daxton Hill from Michigan and Jaquan Brisker from Penn State are also in that same kind of bucket. You can kind of throw Nick Cross from Maryland around there, and then Jalen Petrie is a little bit more of an overhang type of defender, similar to Hill, but I feel like Hill is a little bit more versatile than than Petrie, even though Petrie is very versatile as well. Sign is kind of competing with all of those guys in can I be a late day one pick? I wouldn't be shocked if he is, but I just think there's a lot of competition for the safety behind Kyle Hamilton between all those names I just went over. It's fair. And he could easily be top of day two, but that four, three, seven is what stands out to me. I know NFL teams are going to see that and be like, wow, we can use him in, in any way we can develop into it. I should, sorry, I should say we can develop him into a safety that can be used in any way. Not just like, you know, what he's good at right now, which is maybe alley defender and things of that nature. So we'll see what happens. I just, I've seen this before that four, three, seven is going to be the big number there. I think for some one NFL team, it's going to be like, we can get that elite level safety here. Let's talk about another one of his teammates. I mean, Story of the combine may not be in the mix for the Giants, though I could ask you if that's maybe a mistake or something they should consider. And that's Jordan Davis, the interior defensive lineman out of Georgia. 32-inch vertical. This is just, first of all, let me start by saying he's 340-pound defensive lineman. So 
just think about a 340 pound human being able to do the following things a 32 inch vertical which is tied with kendrick ellis for the best jump by anyone that uh, 340 pounds or more 10 foot three inch broad jump by far and away the best for any defensive lineman 340 plus by 15 inches 15 inches is broad jump was that's insane a four seven eight forty which is by this point, just out of control. And if you're 340 pounds running a 478, pretty sure Daniel Jones ran a ran a slower 40 yard dash. I know he improved it as his pro day, but it's combined 40 yard dash. I'm pretty sure Daniel Jones, who we've already seen literally run away from defenders at the NFL level with his speed, ran a slower 40 yard dash in this 400, this 340 pound defensive lineman, just absolutely insane. A hundredth percentile testing across the board for him. It's one of the craziest combine things I think we've ever seen to be honest, like breaking size, speed, measurable kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, man. Six foot six is 96th percentile. 341 pounds is 92nd percentile. His 10 yard split is 85th percentile to 168, which is ridiculous for that size. And then his 40 is at the 96th percentile. Like that is, that is elite testing numbers. This is not just a two down run stuffer. And I understand people are going to probably ding him because he wasn't out there all the time. He was in a situational role. And I think questions about fatigue and stuff like that, I, I think you have to ask them. But you also got to remember, man, Georgia is very, very deep. They they literally just cycle these guys in. They had Devontae Wyatt, who also we're not even talking about. He had an excellent combine. He was fifth on Bruce Feldman's freak list heading into 2021. He was the only player to run a faster 40 by a tenth of a second than his teammate, Jordan Davis. And then you got to look at next year's draft with Jalen Carter, who could arguably be the best defensive lineman who was even on that line, even possibly better than Jordan Davis. So that will yet to be seen, but he's a very, very good player at number 88 for those who want to study the film. So Jordan Davis, he was kind of talked about at the beginning of the year as a top 10 pick, you know, and then like as time kind of went on and, and 2021 went on, despite the fact that he had a great year, he slipped a little bit. People were like, hey, he's a defensive tackle, you know, can you really say? And then after this combine, dude, like where does he go in the draft? Like is his floor to, to the Los Angeles Chargers at 17? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It depends. Like I feel like if you feel like you can get a consistent pass rusher out of him as well, based on his athletic profile and just, again, the projection, which is essentially what all of this is, the NFL draft projection, then I think he'll go at, yeah, I think the floor would be like 17 right there because they could obviously really use him in the middle of that defense. But if they don't see that that ceiling for him as a pass rusher, it doesn't really matter. Like Aaron Donald was an amazing pick because of his ability to rush the passer, not because of his ability to stop the run. He was also a combine freak as well, but this is even freakier, especially when you consider the size. So I guess it just all depends on what people think his projection is as a pass rusher. Absolutely. And dude, and like, forget the, the testing, even though it's very, very hard to just watch how he moves in the, in the drills on field. He's so quick to cover ground, dude. He looks like a linebacker out there almost only just a gigantic one like that. People that athletic, that big, it's like, we say it a lot on the podcast. You can't teach that. And plus with all the production at the national championship winning program, Georgia, like, there's a lot of things going for Jordan Davis right now. One thing that's not is positional value, but there's all it takes is one team to, to overlook that. Yeah. And I think as far as the positional value argument goes, it can be, you can make the case for, for him or any interior guy. If you can make the case that he can be a consistent pass rusher, because then you can throw out the positional value stuff. It's it's if you, you know, if, if, if he ends up being like a better version of a Dexter Lawrence, that's when I start to worry about using a top pick on him, a top 10 pick on him, because you just need that. Consi- that's all you need in my mind from these interior guys, like for at least for to be use a major asset on them. Cause it, you know, being an excellent run defender only, only takes you so far at the NFL level, in my mind, at least, um, as far as, you know, the winning and losing and the Super Bowl teams go. But did you want to talk a little bit about his teammate, too? Because, again, just another – Wyatt is just another insane freak athlete. Yeah, and Wyatt's more of a three-technique penetrator going to shoot, you know, the B-gap and win and beat offensive linemen off the snap with his quickness, his short area quickness. He had pretty solid explosive numbers, and he also ran a 4.77 over 300 pounds. Just another absolute stud, possibly a back-end round one type of player, could be a day two guy. But, dude, George is lucky they won the national championship because if they did not, a lot of people would be asking Kirby Smart, like, what the heck is wrong with you? How could you not win with this (laughs) We haven't even touched on the linebackers yet. I know. And but he did have Stetson Bennett, which I don't we don't think is that good. So <laughs> I, I give him give him a little bit of credit, Kirby Smart. Um and obviously he did win, so credit too. But yeah, let's touch on the linebackers there then too. Might as well just do the whole full Georgia scope. Why not? Yeah, so Nicobe Dean measured in less than six foot. So that's not great for Nicobe Dean. Uh, I still think he's a good football player. He didn't test at the combine and do those on field drills. So we don't have anything to really take away there, but he's still a potential first round pick. I, I think he's probably has higher upside than Devin Lloyd who didn't test that well, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But Channing Tindall, man, his teammate, this guy never started a game in college, but he could have started at any other school. Again, goes to the depth of a Georgia. Dude had a 42 inch vertical jump, Dan. That is insane. That is insane for a linebacker. Insane. He's 6'2", 230 pounds, ran a 4'4", 7", had a 129 broad as well. This is another dude who's just very, very athletic. I think he would translate really well into what Wink Martindale wants because he can cover. He's just ferocious on the blitz, and he's a solid run defender, as is his teammate Quay Walker, who's a little bit bigger than he is at 6'4", 240 pounds, ran a 4'5", so a little bit slower, still jumped a 32-inch vert, 122 in the broad. I think Tyndall 
and Walker are, are two guys that I'm looking at on day two, possibly in round three. I think Walker is going to be selected well before a lot of people expect. He could be one of those surprise draft picks where like, oh, wow, because he's just somebody with a lot of upside with that size. And, and you watch his tape. You could see that there's a little bit of rawness there, but at the same time, when he trusts his keys and, and he reacts to what he's seeing, he puts himself into great position in run support. And I think all of the, the, the pass coverage type of stuff can be developed at the next level. So I think both of those guys, Channing, Tindall, Quay, Walker, are guys to, to pay attention to for the New York Giants. Probably, I would say, somewhere on day two. Yeah, man. Look, the Big Blue Banter podcast is... Not shy in admitting we are big proponents of upgrading that linebacker corp for the Giants. Not just corpse, 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 I should say. That linebacker corpse for the Giants. And I'm not just talking about the edge guys, the off-ball guys. I'm talking about the interior guys. And I'm really, Tyndall's somebody who's really now big time on my radar because I see a ton of upside there. And we just want athleticism at second level. We just want life like life at that second level that's what, that's what i want at least nick like i'm kind of done seeing the raglans of the world the david mayos of the world chucking around back there just give me some life some pop at that linebacker position on the inside because you know you see it with the bucks these guys make big plays both on the underneath stuff rallying to the ball and, and obviously in the run game and as blitzers as well and like you said in this wink martindale system you're going to need athleticism and, you know, the ability to just drive downhill and potentially impact the play as a blitzer with so many, you know, double mug and so many of those those A-gap type blitzes that they're going to be running there with Wink Martindale as a defensive coordinator. So some exciting guys to keep an eye on at Georgia, and they certainly did not disappoint at the combine. Who else did you want to touch on defensively? There's a lot to go by, so you can just go any player. You don't have to worry about sticking with a position. I was just going to go back to the defensive line because we touched on Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt. And Travis Jones from UConn, I mean, we sung his praises after the Senior Bowl, and he was just excellent down there, just dominating even players like Zion Johnson in the practices. But he comes down here, another just gigantic dude, six foot four, 325 pounds, long 34 and one-fourth inch arms, big hands, runs a 4.92 at that size, you know, has solid explosive drills, I would say. Ran a 7.333 cone at that size is pretty solid, to be honest, and yeah. also looked great moving around kind of like a linebacker out there in, in those change of direction drills where you have to get the momentum going fully one direction and then they have to stop on a dime pivot and flip their hips into another direction. I felt like he looked really good doing that. People who are 325 pounds shouldn't move the way he does and he's a good consolation prize to Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis goes in round one, a team who's looking for a defensive lineman with some pass rushing upside can get Travis Jones in round two. Yeah, super standout at the combine. I mean, at the senior bowl guy people really like obviously the Giants may not be in the mix for this position but definitely somebody who uh, is top of his class I want to talk a little bit about a player who we talked a little bit more about on the last podcast when we did a draft profile breakdown on Charles Cross and that was a player he went up against um, one of the best pass rushers he faced that's Sam Williams and I'm really intrigued by Sam Williams out of Ole Miss because he comes to the combine six foot three 261 solid build you know, thick frame and runs a four, four, six. That's absolutely insane to run a four, four, six at 261 pounds makes absolutely no logical sense to me, but it happened and he did it. And his, like you said, when you watch his tape, he stands out. I think with Williams, it's going to come down to the off field issue he had in 2020. I believe he was arrested. Uh, might've been something serious that, you know, in that pandemic time, not, not right after, but during that time. And that might make him drop to day two, Maybe even day three, I doubt, but maybe. But man, to run a four four six at six three two sixty one and have the film that he has, at least from what we've seen so far and the production he's had, he's on my radar as a potential like option for the Giants on at any point on day two. 
yeah, the the charge that he had is not great. It was, I believe, sexual battery, but okay. I think he was acquitted of it and he was allowed to return to teams, but I'm not really 100% certain what happened, so that has to be addressed. But in terms of what he did at the Combine and the film that I have seen of him, I do find him to be an interesting player. Like you said, four four six solid vertical drills. I wish they were a little bit better, but this is somebody who's thick. He's dense, 261 pounds. You can kind of see it in his lower half. as a strong lower half. Looks good like that. So I think he's somebody who could be available on day three, but all that has to be addressed. And one player that I feel like we both felt would kill the combine, and he did, was Boye Mafe, the edge yep. rusher from Minnesota. He six foot four, two hundred sixty one pounds, four five three forty, and then a thirty eight vert and a one twenty five broad. Watch him in the position drills; looks really, really fluid. Looks really, really good. And he's somebody that down at the Senior Bowl started hearing the drum beat. Dan, we talk about the drum beat, right? He started getting that drum beat from Dan Jeremiah. Everyone's like, "Oh man, we got to dive into his film, dive into his film." And then he comes to the combine and he blows it up. He's on Bruce Feldman's freak list, and he looks very, very smooth in all of these drills. I think he's somebody who could be a early day two pick, and the Giants should look at him because I think he could be a possible Sam type of linebacker for them at pick thirty six. But I kind of want him to be a little bit more physical against the run. I don't think he's passive in that manner, but it wasn't his strength in college. Yeah, definitely another name to keep an eye on. We'll probably be doing draft profiles on all these potential targets for the Giants. I feel like he's definitely in the mix as a potential target. Let's talk about another player who's close to home here, and that is Leo Chennault, the, the Wisconsin linebacker. I mean, he comes into this thing, and, you know, you kind of, if you follow him at all and you follow Wisconsin at all, you could see it when you're watching training. I heard him do an excellent interview that I'm going to get to in a minute, but he looks like somebody who's kind of a freak athlete. And then when he tests like that, four five three in the forty with a forty and a half inch vertical and a ten foot eight inch broad jump, he throws explosive jumping ability. Obviously, the downhill speed. And you watch his film, and he's like a man. He's like almost like a chicken playing with his head cut off. He's just driving downhill toward the line of scrimmage at all times, blowing up run plays. Sometimes running into blockers and just blowing them up head first. I, I saw an awesome interview with him from this past off season. It was from August 2021, where he's talking about just kind of how he his progression in learning the game and learning within Jim Leonard's defense over there at Wisconsin. He's like, what I'm finally starting to see now in practice, because he it was like they, they did an interview with him after like two unbelievable practice rooms. He's like, I'm finally starting to see I'm start oh, I forgot what he said now. I'm, I'm blanking on it, but he's like, I'm starting to see the pass rushing lanes really well. And I'm starting to see the lanes really well, the creases where I can just hit. And that's what I do. I just go down and I hit those. And they're starting to, you know, it's all starting to slow down for me. And you saw that watching him last year. He was one of the best players on that defense. One of the best defenses in the nation by the numbers, the Wisconsin Badgers defense. Just go look it up. This ain't homerism. So Leo Chanel, a player who I am very interested in taking for the Giants, especially because, look, Jim Leonard runs a very similar defense to what Wink Martindale runs. It's going to be heavy pressure, aggression, attack downhill, especially from those inside backers. So he feels like just a perfect fit for this Wink Martindale defense as well. I know there are so many concerns with him regarding he has almost no tape as a as a um, in pass coverage and kind of, you know, as a coverage linebacker. And that doesn't seem to be his game right now. But again, I go back to the projection thing, Nick. It's like, can't is, is it that he can't do it or, or that he's bad at it or just that he hasn't been asked to do it and he can get better and become a player who can do that as well because he, he checks some of the other boxes i know look it's not it's not uh expected of me nick to come in here and preach for an old school down downhill thumper type at the on the inside but i feel like the ceiling there is beyond that I do feel like the ceiling is beyond that. And I think he transitions so well, like you said, into what Wink Martindale wants. I'm 
I'm interested a lot in Leo Chanel and I'm interested to get into Jim Leonard's film. Another player that I feel like we should discuss is Troy Anderson, another guy who's just had a steady drumbeat. He is the linebacker for a Montana state, but not only is he the linebacker, he was the quarterback there when he first went on campus and a running back for Montana State. So this guy is one of those incredible athletes. He went down to the senior bowl, man. He was really good in those coverage drills, which aren't too favorable for, for linebackers one-on-one in space against tight ends where they can run any route that they want. But I felt like he was really sticky in coverage. Had a 4-4-2-40 at 6-3-1-2, 243 pounds. Jumped 36 in the vert and 128 in the broad, dude. So like, I look at Troy Anderson and I, and I see somebody who I think is going to end up being a day-two pick despite the fact that he came out of Montana State. And I think he can do a lot of different things for your football team. If you want to use him in a Taysom Hill type of role, you can. But I think he is well-equipped to also be a linebacker and possibly be a starter by the end of year one. Yeah, just another good name to keep it on. This feels like a really interesting, high upside uh, defensive class from just a pure athleticism standpoint. A lot of these guys are just unbelievable raw athletes. Any uh, any transition here to the defensive backs that have stood out to you? Or do you have a couple more uh, on the front seven that you wanted to touch on? Yeah, I have a few more on the front seven I want to touch on. First, Damone Clark out of LSU. Now he ran a four, five, seven, and I'm happy about this because I'm hoping that he falls down boards because this guy plays fast. His jump from his junior to his senior season was exceptional. He was a true leader down there at LSU, wore the number 18 jersey and everything, had good explosive drills, but the four, five, seven, I feel like people thought he was going to run a little bit faster, despite the fact that he's just a shade under 6'3, 239 pounds. But I look at him, dude, and I've watched a couple games of LSU's defense when I was watching like Georgia's offense, and I and I saw 18 making plays, and I saw him doing things in coverage that I respect. And and I just became interested in his overall profile and his athletic profile. And the fact that he ran maybe a little slower than some people thought that could move him down the board a little bit. And I would love to grab this kid and add him to the New York Giants at some point in the draft. Because I think he can be a really good football player. Another name to keep an eye on Giants fans. And look, we love ourselves some 40 time based steals. The value you get from people overvaluing the 40 yard dash on tape. Or I mean, I'm timed out 40 yard dash, I should say. All right, I want to talk a little bit about the defensive backs, unless you have more to go on in the front seven. One more that I will bring yeah. up. I mean, obviously, the the David Ajabo is a Jermaine Johnson. That's David Ajabo from Michigan, Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. All of those players, like they're well-spoken for, I feel like. We, we've discussed them on the podcast before. They had solid combines out here. But one that we haven't talked about too much, he didn't run a 40, is Arnold Abichetti from Penn State. Now, he jumped 38 inches in the vertical, 128 inches in the broad, and bench pressed. 225 pounds, 21 times at 6'2", 250, has big hands, has long arms. And he was just a really good pass rusher who transferred from Temple to Penn State, played his senior season at Penn State, and just racked up pressures and did really, really well. And I think he's just an interesting player for pick 36. I had a little bit of reservations when I watched his tape. I wasn't as high on him as other people just because I feel like he won going inside so often by just using inside counter moves, basically outside jab foot, get the tackle to open up and then just rush inside and then just beat him with your speed and your explosiveness was can't be denied on his film. And when you watch him on the speed bag, he was just absolutely crazy at the combine. But at the NFL level, I, I don't feel like that is uh, something that translates as well. So that's one like little you know tweak I have with him, but I still find him to be a very interesting and athletic player who would probably mesh well with what Wayne Martindale wants to do. Needs to get and a little better. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for guys who are going to mesh well with what they want to do schematically. So just another name to keep an eye on there. Really intriguing. The Giants, this is a nice class for the Giants, I think, setting up for what they need in this on the from a roster standpoint, with the exception of obviously the quarterback position. Um, 
But other than that, I feel like it sets up really nicely here for what their needs are right now. It's going to be a big draft for the Giants. This is the tone-setting draft. Like This is how they turn around these awful years. They have so many picks in this draft, so many premium picks. They got to get it right. And so we're, we're hoping they will. All right, let's talk a little bit about defensive backs. The first one who stood out to me was a, a, I always just love these guys, Nick, who are like, no names before the combine or played at, and I'm not saying he's a no name, but played at a smaller school. That's Tyreek Woolen out of uh, UT San Antonio. He comes in, he runs a four, three, one with a 42 inch vertical at the cornerback position. That's immediately going to jump. Uh, again, we've talked, I've talked about the 40 yard dash. I believe it's overrated, but at cornerback specifically, it might be the one, <laughs> the one area where it means the most by far the 40 yard dash. And when you show out like that, it's going to have every single person who works for an NFL team right now and works the draft looking back at his film and trying to watch him against these lower level players. But man, four, three, one, 42 inch vertical. I, I'm definitely intrigued by Woolen right now. Did you get a chance to check that out? Yeah, I've watched Woolen's film. It was a four, two, six, actually. It wasn't a four, three, one. And this is at six foot four, 205 pounds with 33 and five, eighth inch arms. Like this dude went down to the senior bowl and I didn't know him at the senior bowl. And then I saw him at the senior bowl. I, like, I got to watch this kid's tape. And he was definitely a lot better than the players that he was playing around at UTSA. But man, dude, this, this guy has the length. He has the hip fluidity, which we see in a lot of the drills that he does perform. And he did perform at the combine. I, I think this is a kid who was a day three pick before the senior bowl, who could be like an early day two pick. And I wouldn't even be shocked if he's day one. I, that might be a little bit too too aggressive, but you can't teach four two six speed. You can't teach a forty two inch vert at that size with that hip fluidity. Yeah, and you can't teach the length. The length is the most. I've in my mind when you have all the other stuff, length is by to me the most important thing for those those corners on an island. And you see it over and over. And that's part of the reason I like Sauce Gardner so much. I think he has that in his game with everything else. And so. Yeah, it's funny. He might make that rise. Like, well, it might make the rise that you've seen with like, I'm um, trying to think who was the kid, the Patriots, like the, the, and the Panthers, like the Kyle Duggars of the world who took a nice rise and the Jeremy, um, Chin. Jeremy Chins of the world, those small school guys. Hassan that, Reddick. Yep. Yep. All those guys, man. They, they're, and Reddick a little bit more, uh, less so just because he wasn't from a small school, but those guys make rises. Another guy who might make a rise from a small school is Zion McCollum, the cornerback out of Sam Houston State, because he runs what? Runs what? A 4-3-3 with a 39-and-a-half-inch vert, a broad jump of 11 feet flat. I mean, those, again, are numbers that, and, and you know, again, it's another one of these long, uh, big corners. So all I got to say is when you have the size, the length, the speed, the jumping ability, the explosiveness, you're probably going to get on teams' radars, and I think he might make himself a day-two pick at this point when he was definitely going to be just a day-three pick before the combine. Oh, absolutely. And he was a six, four, eight, three cone. I haven't watched anything on Zion McCollum. I can't talk about his tape, but you're hundred percent right. People are going to look at these athletic numbers and be like, Whoa, okay. We have to investigate this kid a little bit more without a doubt. So what else do you have uh, uh, from the secondary guys that stood out to you? Oh, we have to talk about sauce Gardner. I mean, he went down there and ran a four, four, one at six, three, 190 pounds, dude. He's like high cut in the hips a little bit, which typically indicates somebody who was going to struggle with his overall fluidity, but you don't really see that on his film and you didn't really see it too much when he was doing all of the drills on the field, man, when he was doing the box drill and everything, he flipped his hips pretty well. He didn't really rise his center of gravity too much. I think he's definitely in play for one of the selections at five or seven. If the giants do want to go 
after the cornerback position and get Wink Martindale, that true shutdown press man corner who's long. I mean, Sauce Gardner fits that very well, as does Derek Stingley Jr., but Derek Stingley Jr. has the foot injury, which supposedly was checked out by the doctor. I believe they brought that up at the NFL Network. Like, everything is fine, but he didn't test or anything like that. Sauce is good, man. Sauce is good. He has swag, bro. He has a lot of swag. Shows up in a, in a suit with a, with a sauce necklace wrapped around his neck. I just dripped. I got sauce. I just dripped. I got sauce. He looked really good, man. And he looked really good on the field, too. So I'm uh, I'm definitely interested in Sauce Gardner. I can't wait to watch Cincinnati's D. I mean, on paper, Sauce Gardner is like the total package corner prospect, right? The length, the fluidity, the hip fluidity. Like you say, oh, a longer corner, he might not. He might struggle. This doesn't show up, like you said. The production. Zero catches against Alabama. Didn't give up. It wasn't credited for giving up a touchdown. Look, I know that second stat is a bit uh, fugazi, as some people say, but it doesn't matter. You watch the film, you can see it. The production's there, the length there, the straight line speeds there. He has that alpha mentality, which I actually think is super important at the cornerback position. And we talked to, I think it was Eric Crocker last year, former corner, who's going to come on the show hopefully again. And he talked about that as well. That swag, that confidence at that position is insanely important. You have to be super confident. If you're a corner on an island in man coverage, like you, like you might be, if you find yourself in Wink Martindale's defense often with very little help over the top, if any, at most of the time, you got to have confidence. You're going to be able to stop the DK Metcalfs of the world, right? They're all these star beasts of the world at the receiver position. So, I think he's got all that. I think to me, as far as what I've seen so far, he's one of the five best prospects in this draft. And so for me, I would take one of the five best prospects as long as they're not an interior defensive lineman or running back with a top five or top seven pick. Corner to me is a position, not not just of major need, Nick, but also I believe it's one of the most important positions in the NFL. I would actually argue it's the third, it's third on the list for me. And I know some people would, most people would put edge ahead of it. I would not. So I think you can scheme up pressure. I don't think you can scheme up uh, man coverage. So I'm definitely intrigued by Sauce Garner without a doubt. And we'll see what happens there because there are some, you know, linkages to the Giants already there. Yeah, man, he's, he's an absolute stud. And if the Giants don't go in that direction, I think a player like Kair Elam out of Florida, six foot one and a half, 191 pounds, just under 31 inch arms, which is typically that threshold that you you want in a cornerback, ran a four three nine. And if you watch his film, he's pretty damn sticky in coverage. So I, I like the idea of him at possibly pick 36. I just like these defensive backs who can play man coverage, are good in zone with their eyes, and also are physical to the point where they play through the catch play. I don't want somebody who's necessarily grabby all the time, which Elam, he can get grabby sometimes, but when the ball is in the air, can he go through the receiver's catch point in a violent manner? And I saw that several times just when I was watching Zachary Carter. So I thought, uh, I think Kyrie Elam is somebody to pay attention to if the Giants do not go cornerback in round one couple yeah. late round cornerbacks that I want to go into as well. And one is Cam Taylor Britt. So this is somebody that I initially thought, and a lot of people did, when I watched this film, I questioned how fast he was going to be. And this is a very physical dude, man. Very physical dude. I, I talk about him a lot uh, on the post-Senior Bowl pod about how there was this one poor receiver who thought he could stalk block him on this drill, and Cam Taylor Britt ran through this dude. He's 5'11", 196 pounds, so it doesn't necessarily have to size. But he has the physique. And at 438, I think this is a player who the Giants can get on day three and try him out at corner. And if they don't like him there, they can kind of do what they did with Brandon Stevens, that is the Ravens. They drafted him at a SMU last year, who was a cornerback, and they transitioned him to safety. I think Cam Taylor Britt can do that as well. I think the Giants can get this guy late. And I really like the fact that he showed that he was athletically capable enough to run fast because that was a question kind of going into his evaluation. I think he's an interesting day three prospect. And then this other guy from Missouri, a Caleb Evans. I haven't watched Missouri's tape yet, but just watching him maneuver in space and during the drills, 
I felt like he looked pretty smooth. So I checked his athletic testing after that. I was like, oh, he ran a 446, 36 vert, 129 broad. So all of that checks out. I'll have to watch his film. But as a day three guy that I'm interested to see his film, I would say him, a Caleb Evans from Missouri is another player that I just wanted to kind of put out there and kind of give a tip to because I felt like he had pretty good combine in terms of the drills and the testing. Yeah, without a doubt. And these are guys we'll have on our radar. Maybe this year we'll do a better job of making a list of our guys. And these might not be our guys, but just guys on our radar and, and kind of where you can access it during the draft so you can take a look. Because I remember last year during the draft, a lot of people were tweeting at us like, hey, can we see some of your guys' favorite targets on these days? And we tweeted them out at the time. But, you know, if they have if there's a list beforehand that you can kind of track as it goes and see where the value's falling, it might be something valuable. So we'll, we'll take a look into that. But we'll touch on the safeties a bit here too, Nick, even though I will be honest, I don't think the Giants are going to invest anything serious in the safety position this year. That includes Kyle Hamilton. My, I was talking to somebody yesterday who was trying to get, you know, who makes a lot of big-time wagers on the NFL draft, like heavy betting. And he let me know, you know, he wanted to know, like, how, how likely is the Giants are going to take Kyle Hamilton? In my mind, I think it's very unlikely, Nick. I just feel like based on where they've invested at the position recently with that massive Logan Ryan contract, they had to push back with Xavier McKinney as a recent draft pick that not only was, you know, a high asset pick, but is already hitting. So you kind of already can sort of count on or at least somewhat forward look into the sense that you're going to give him a big contract at some point. You hope. It's on that trajectory right now. Things could change. But as of right now, you're on the trajectory of shelling out a lot of cap space to, to, to McKinney at some point. And so when you factor all of that in, even just like having Julian Love on the roster and players like that, if they're going to come back with Love, I just don't see a major investment coming in at safety. But there might be a day three pick there, maybe day two potentially as well. I actually think they'll pass it all together, but we should still talk about the position. So where do you want to start at safety from the combine? Well, first off, Kyle Hamilton. He ran a four five nine, which some people are disappointed with because they expected him to run somewhere in the four fours. If you watch him run, dude's hardly maintaining the line. I feel like he probably could have ran somewhere in the four four, but he was like swaying basically outside of the forty. Didn't have the best forty time on that first attempt. I'm not overly worried about it because this guy has excellent play speed, and I've just seen what he can do on the football field. I know he's going to be a, a good football player if he's used correctly, and I think Martindale would use him correctly, but do you draft him when you... He might be the best player available, but there could be other players that are at more positions of need that are comparably graded in the Giants system. So I'm not 100% certain if I'll go that way. I'm not fully ruling it out either. 38-inch vert, excellent. 131 inch broad grates just under 11 feet and then a 693 cone at 64 220 pounds. I mean that's the dude the dude is is tall. He looks a little lanky, but he can just scoot, bro. He can just scoot, he can move. He's very very fluid. I uh <laughs> if I was picking in like 15 or something like that, I would have loved the fact that he ran like a 459 hoping that he would slide down the draft and people would overthink it. Yeah, well, that would be that would be something else, right? I I doubt he'll have that McKinney type slide. I know Xavier McKinney ran the forty with a little bit of a with an injury, so he kind of ran it slow and fell out of day one. But I don't I don't know if that'll be the case for Hounds. The, the tape is just too crazy. Yeah, the tape is ridiculous. And then Dax Hill and Jaquan Brisker are both guys who could possibly be first round picks. Jaquan Brisker ran a four four nine. Dax Hill. Ran a 4.38. Hill's from Michigan. Brisker is from Penn State. Hill, you watch him, played a lot of overhang, uh, man coverage type of guy who can execute a lot of different roles for you. Good coming downhill. Very explosive on tape. So I thought he was going to jump a lot higher than 33 and a half and then 121. Those aren't terrible numbers, but I just thought he would jump higher at six foot 191 pounds because I understand that 
he's a great athlete, but the change of direction was there, man. He ran a six, five, seven, three cone drill. So I, I think he could possibly be like a target for the chiefs. Same with Jaquan Brisker. If they do not bring back Tyron Matthew, the chiefs can also go wide receiver and there'll be plenty of guys there, but both of those guys are kind of back end round one players are going to be competing. Like I said earlier with like Lewis sign and players like that. Now, as for these late round dudes, I think Marquise Bell did well for himself. Florida A&M guy ran a four, four, one. I didn't, I haven't seen his tape. Not going to lie about that, but a six, two, 212 pounds and run a four, four, one jump 36 and a half in the vert. And then 123 in the broad. It's pretty darn good. And he could be one of those late round guys. And also Cam Taylor, Britt, cornerback could possibly transition to safety, even though he showed that he was fast enough to play cornerback. I think that's somebody else that could fit into what wing Martindale wants to do with his safeties. Cause remember, man, Martindale likes having three safeties out there. He likes bringing them up to the line of scrimmage, mugging the a gap with them, bringing them off the edge, bringing them on blitzes. So a lot of those guys who can really just go downhill, like a Nick cross from Maryland, who tested really well. He's somebody who could really just fly downhill. He ran a 4-3-4. I think they're going to be players at Wink Martindale could be like, yo, I can get this guy, turn him into a blitzer. If he has the range to cover, he could be a single high safety for us. He could play the deep half in two high shells. All those versatile type of players, I think, and they have to be physical and run support. And I think Cross fits that as well. I wish JT Woods was a little bit more physical and run support. The kid from Baylor, he ran a 4-3-6, very, very long. He was the one who high stepped to the end zone to, to end the combine. It was pretty funny. And he also had six interceptions in his senior season, 2021. Also ended the senior bowl with an interception. So he's more of a ball hawk, which he was a little bit more physical. He's going to be a day three guy. That is JT Woods out of Baylor. Yeah, and it's crazy because... You know, like you said, the safety position is going to become even more important than it has been. And, it, and there has been some of an emphasis uh, emphasis on it with the Patrick Graham defense. But with Wink, it's even more impressive. I mean, look, you have a guy who is going to probably one of those safeties is going to be wearing the, the red dot in the helmet. One of the instead of the, the traditional inside linebacker having it, like you said, a lot of them are going to come up three safety looks. It's a little sad for me, Nick, because I saw I could see it coming that it was a poor decision to re-sign Logan Ryan at the time. And, you know, it really feels like Jabril Peppers would be a great fit for this style defense. It really feels to me like Jabril Peppers would be a much better asset for the Giants this next season and moving forward than Logan Ryan is. And it seems pretty obvious from all aspects, not just the fit in the defense, the age, the explosiveness moving downhill, specific role he could play in Wink Martindale's defense. I'm sure they're going to find some kind of role for Logan Ryan, the defense. And again, he's a great guy. Like, Great locker room guy, good dude, has been, you know, pro Giants this whole time, tweets pro Giants things. All that's very nice and well, but at on the, you know, on the wrong side of 30, with not, in my mind, the perfect fit for this Wink Martindale defense. It just it's it sucks for me that they have so much cap allocated to him when there's a player who's on their roster right now or was last season who's most likely not they're not going to be able to resign in Drew Peppers, who just seems like in all ways a better, a better asset for the Giants right now at the safety position. When age is considered, but obviously we can't ignore the massive Take out age for me. I still think he's a much better fit next year. Well, I mean, you have to weigh his injury as well, because that's a pretty bad injury. Granted, a lot of people are kind of really coming back and bouncing yeah. back from that injury. But yeah, I mean, Logan Ryan, you might have one more good year left in him. It was definitely a bad year. He has a lot to prove this season. He didn't live up to the expectations that he set in 2020, and the contract doesn't look all that great at the moment. I, I think he can mesh well in Wink Martindale scheme. If it's 2020, Logan Ryan, absolutely. I think he can adapt to a lot of different schemes because he's a versatile safety who's incredibly smart, but he has to play better than what he did last year, and that's not a given given his age. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll be a bad fit. I think they'll find a role for him. I just think 
peppers is like the cookie cutter you can find an immediate role and i just hope uh, it's just looking forward i i want this to be the end of it i think it will be with joe shane which i'm happy about but it's got to be the end of like these three-year random three-year deals for guys in the 20 in the late 20s going into 30 that aren't like elite players it just you just can't do it it doesn't matter how good they are for the locker room you just that's not how to build a winning roster the guys who you want to extend are the guys coming off the rookie deals not not these guys later in their careers at least unless and again unless they're just elite type players like I'm just not sure Logan Ryan ever was. Not to knock Ryan. Again, good guy. He'll find a nice fit in this defense. They have no other option. They've pushed back enough of his cap hit that they cannot cut him. He's locked in on this roster. So we'll see what happens there. But I, I, I do kind of wish, I'll be honest, Nick, that Drew Peppers was part of this Wink Martindale defense because a fully healthy Drew Peppers in this defense I think would be pretty sick to watch. Yeah, I like Jabril, man, especially coming downhill as a blitzer right. and everything. He could definitely play the box. He can probably – he could play elements of what Chuck Clark did for them, but at the same time, he can he can so can Logan Ryan. I feel like though too, but just in terms of how young Jabril Peppers is, how good he is in run support, how good he is coming downhill, that fits what, what Wink wants to do very very well. And I think Logan Ryan can do that. But I don't know if he's to the level of what Jabril Peppers can offer specifically when he is tasked to come downhill. Yeah, that's all I meant by it. And no, no knock on Ryan. I think he'll, again, be fine for this defense next season. So anyone else you want to touch on before we wrap up the defensive combine results? It was just a pretty awesome event, dude. One of the better ones, to be honest. He had yeah. a lot of moving parts and just wild, wild stuff like Jordan Davis, man. <laughs> like, that is that athleticism is, just across the board, I felt like. It, it really was, man. Like a lot of people were tweeting about how it was a fast track in Indianapolis and what the heck did they put in the turf down there. But, yeah. you know, athletes just getting more and more athletic, which is just better for the game because it's just better competition. Well said. All right. Thank you to everybody tuning in to the Big Blue Bandit podcast. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.